we spend ages, haven't we, looking at this, thinking about how God speaks to us, and God speaks to us in so, so, so many ways. And we've been looking at all the ways that God speaks, and, and we know that one of the key ways that he speaks to us is through his word. And we've said all the way along that this critical thing about listening and hearing the voice of God is about our alignment to God. It's as we get our lives in tune with Him, whether that's like sailing, whether you put your sail up to the wind to go anywhere, or whether it's like some people say it's like a radio, you know, like all the radio waves right now are beaming through this church, right? If I was to get my radio out and just tune it into Radio 1, you'd pick it up. Why? Because I've just tuned into that. It's playing all the time. But unless you tune into it, you don't hear it. It's going. It's still there. Every single radio station that we could pick up is, is floating around somehow or the other in the air that we breathe. But you're not tuned into it, so it doesn't make any difference to you. And it's the same with the Spirit of God. And the Word really is about how we tune in to God's speaking to us. And so in the Old Testament, that's why they had the law. They, God said, like, I'm going to raise up a people and these people will show you how to tune in to me. And follow these things that you do. And if you follow them, you'll tune in. And when you tune in, what's the result of that? Blessing. You don't do it for the blessing, but he said it's an automatic result of tuning into me is all these blessings. Deuteronomy 28 says these are the blessings if you tune in. And if you don't tune in because you've made a covenant agreement with me, there are certain consequences for agreeing to do something and not doing it, right? We know that from childhood. When you agreed with your parents to do something and you didn't do it, what happened? You know, wooden spoon in my case when I was a kid. Shouldn't say that. I'd probably get my dad arrested these days. But anyway, right? But that's, that's what it was. You didn't do it. You said you would do it. Right? But the same thing we got. He said, if you don't do it, there's consequences because you've made a covenant. You've made a promise, more than a promise, a binding agreement to align your lives. And it's the same for us as Christians in the New Testament. Jesus came to show us the way to align. Why, why did God not just send a whole mo more rules? Because he said, I'm going to send myself so that you can follow me. You can do what I've been doing. I'm going to show you what it really means to get in alignment with the Father so that the Spirit flows through you. And we've been looking at this in different ways. And as I just said, it's the, the Holy Spirit is the one part of the Godhead that, that we need because the Spirit effectively is that voice that comes from God. When you hear the voice of God, what you're hearing is the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that speaks to you and me. And as we said, the Spirit, therefore, has so many different attributes in the Bible, and we've looked at a few of them together. We said the Spirit is the paraclete. Do you remember what that means? What's the paraclete? Don't tell me I have to repeat that sermon. That will save next week's planning. That's good. What's the paraclete? What does that mean? The paraclete is the link. 
kind of. Well read from your notes. I saw Margaret kind of at the back going. <laughs> awesome job. The paraclete exactly is that. It's somebody that comes alongside. It's like a friend, a, a companion on the journey. It's someone where if we're lost, you know, and, and uh, I remember it happened to me, you know, I was, we were in Harrow a little while ago. And somebody was completely lost. Can you show me the way to get to so-and-so, you know? And you're, ne- you're always nervous when you tell someone directions because you kind of think you know until after they usually left and then you realize you sent them in the wrong direction. Ever happened to you? Happened to me once. And then you have to go around hiding behind bins in case they come back and say, hey, it was nowhere, you know? So I, I finally, I said to them, you know what? I, I started explaining and I just went, no, 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 hang on a minute. I'll just show you. Right? I've got 10 minutes. Let me just show you where you need to get to. So off I went and I showed them. That, that was being a paraclete because I journeyed with them and took them to where they needed to get to so that I didn't have to explain it, right? And the Spirit comes alongside us. In the New Testament, he's called the paraclete. He comes alongside us because he journeys with you and me. He's the one that shows us how to walk with Jesus, what it is to follow and get in alignment. Also, we spoke about the Spirit being the dove. Do you remember they sent the dove out of the ark, right? Came back with the peace and so on, the dove of peace. And also, last time we spoke about the Spirit, the Spirit as being at Pentecost, came in tongues of fire. The cleansing nature of the Spirit, the the redemptive nature and the power of God's Spirit that we see in fire. But today I want to talk to you about one other aspect of the Spirit of God, and that's the Spirit who is the breath of God. In Job chapter 33, verse 4, the Spirit of God has made me the breath of the Almighty gives me life, Job said. It's the Spirit is the very breath of God. In the Old Testament, the word for breath or the Spirit is ruach. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was formless and void. And and who was it that hovered over the waters? In In the Hebrew, it says it's the breath. The ruach of God is the one that hovers over. And then God speaks, and when he speaks, he speaks his spirit, his ruach, his breath that brings creation into being. And when he forms us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he says, he made us out of the dirt. And what does he do? He ruacks into us. He breathes into us. And so the Spirit of God is really the breath of God coming out of God's mouth. Really the oxygen of God, the ability that we have to live and to breathe comes from the Spirit of God, the Ruach of God. You ever been in a situation where you've been gasping for breath? Has that ever happened to you? It happened to me three times in life. I was thinking about it when it was serious. I don't, I don't just mean like, you know, if you were to, you know, like uh, if, you, if you were to run after your kids, you know, if, if, if Fraser takes off at a great rate of knots, you know, and, and you see, see his parents running after him, and then you catch up with him because he's, he's a little, you know, he's got so much energy. And you're like, <gasps> I don't mean like that. I mean like really gasping for breath. 
Three times it's happened to me. The first time when I nearly drowned, when I was a, a young guy in Cubs, actually, built a raft, and I volunteered to sail this raft that the Cubs had built across this lake. And in the middle of the lake, the raft flipped over, and I got entangled in the rope of the raft and got stuck right underneath the raft. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out from underneath it, and I, I ended up like... I was so desperate for oxygen in my lungs that I ended up like opening my mouth under the water, which is not a great idea, and then like pond water, like lake water just filled up in my lungs because I was so desperate to get some oxygen. So desperate. I didn't die, by the way, in case you're wondering. I ended up actually, a panic set in and I broke the raft enough, these big logs, to be able to squeeze my head between the logs just to get oxygen. And I ripped both sides of my face right, right down just because I was desperate enough to breathe. The breath of God. Spiritually, we should be like that. Spiritually, we should be so gasping for the oxygen of God that we're like that situation in the lake where we're like, I need, I need a breath. I need some air. I need your oxygen. But the only times it seems to me where we don't need oxygen is when we're not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like, like when we're not gasping for breath, if, if we were to, to run a race now, we'd all be gasping, wouldn't we? Should, should we go out to the park and do a quick you know, lap one mile around the park? How many of you would be gasping at the end of that? Get in there, you'll be gasping, right? But sitting here, we're, we're quite happy sitting here, aren't we? I, don't, I can just breathe normal. And it seems to me in the spiritual realm, it's the same thing. If I'm not doing anything... If I'm just sitting here, I don't really need the oxygen of God. But when I'm out doing stuff, when I'm out being active, that's when you need it. That's when you need the, the breath that comes out of God, the life that comes out of God to enter into you and me. In the Old Testament, in, in Ezekiel 37, Valley of the Dry Bones, you know that one? Again, he said, prophesy to the Spirit, prophesy to the Ruach, so that there may be life. And God, when he breathes on you and me, brings transformation and brings life. Do you know what it is in the Greek? What's the word for breath of God in the Greek? Do you know? You do know it. Pneuma. And what word do we get from that? Pneumonia. And what is pneumonia? It's when you can't breathe. You didn't realize you were studying Greek there, did you? When you... Pneumonia is when you can't, when something is blocking and you can't breathe properly. And your lungs. Comes from the Greek pneuma which is the breath of God. You see, the problem today 
I think that Christians are not really breathing the Holy Spirit as we should be. Now, non-Christians don't even have access to the Spirit in that way. Because Jesus says that the Spirit comes when you have a relationship with him. First, you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ before the Spirit of God will come and then the, and then the breath of God comes through the Spirit. But even when we have the Spirit of God, even as Christians, I, I don't know whether we're really using the Spirit of God, really breathing the Spirit of God as we should be. John 14, Jesus says these words. Verse 15 and following, he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Alignment, right? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit, the Ruach of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. As we become believers in Jesus Christ, we have access to the oxygen of God. The question is, are we really breathing it? Our passage today that I want to look at is from John chapter 20. John chapter 20 comes just after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Mary goes to the tomb, do you remember? And the, the, the stone is rolled away. And she, she, she meets, doesn't she? She thinks of the gardener, and then, do you remember? And then Jesus says, it's me. And she runs back and she tells the disciples, hey, he's alive. The disciples are all hiding together, and we'll read it together from John 20. She's told them, but I'm not sure they believe. On the first evening, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Thanks be to God. You see, the disciples, they'd heard that Jesus was alive. But if we go back, what's, what's going on with them? They'd heard the news through Mary. She said, I've seen Jesus. I've seen the Lord. But did they believe? No. They're there hiding together. They're there in an upstairs room where the door is locked and they're afraid. And fear has this way to, to stop you from breathing properly, doesn't it? You know, how many of you have ever been afraid of something? You know what goes on inside of you? You're just like, don't you? Like it, it ties you up in knots inside and you can't breathe properly and, and you get a shortness of breath and if it gets too bad, you end up with panic attack and everything else. That's, that's the state of the disciples here. They're, they're, they're afraid for their lives. If, 
you know, maybe after they've got rid of Jesus, they're going to come after us as well. So we're going to hide in this room. We're going to shut the door. We're going to lock the door. And we're just going to lie low and figure out what's going on. We know what Mary said, but that's too good to be true. And here they are, unable to breathe. But what we see in this passage is what happens when the resurrected Christ comes into that moment. First thing Jesus does is he comes and he says what to them? Peace be with you. He says it twice. Why? Because the first thing you need to do when you're, when you're anxious, where you, where you have fears and, and trepidation and where you're unsure of yourself and so on, when, when all these things are taken over, is you need to just allow God to, to settle those fears for a moment. The dove of peace to come into your life. To calm down all that anxiety so for a moment you can, you can actually focus on something else. Because fear, what it does is it tends, to, it tends to trap you, doesn't it? All you can do is think about it. How many of you have uh, gone for hospital tests? Right? Just before my sabbatical, I had hospital tests. I had a scan, I had a whole thing, Right? You know what the tendency is for that? You're waiting for the results. You know, is it cancer? Is it not cancer? It's always the question, isn't it? What's, what's the consequences going to be if it is like, and you're sitting there and you're waiting and you're waiting. And they say, oh, we'll, we'll phone you. Every time your phone rings, is that the hospital? Is that going to be? No, 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 no. It's my wife asking me to go get some milk, you know. Waiting for an important call, you know, whatever it is, you're there, you kind of, and yet, what happens? You go to sleep thinking about it, you wake up thinking about it, you have a restless night. If you wake in the night, you're thinking about it all day long, you're thinking about it, you're checking your phone, you're checking your messages. Oh, maybe I've got a missed call, maybe something's happened. Oh, let me just, and it locks you in to the fear that you're struggling with. And you're not sure what's going to happen. And so Jesus comes in and says, hey, peace. Just, just for a second. Take your eyes off of this. Just, just tone it down a little bit. Just stop allowing it to consume every part of you. Just peace. Well-being. Wholeness. Just breathe. And then what does he do? He shows them himself. He says, take, take your eyes off of your circumstance for one moment, because I'm here. The peace follows by the presence of God. He says, just fix your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. What's the next bit? And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He says, just, just for a moment, 
And what Jesus does is he comes into this situation where there's fear and there's panic and there's, they can't breathe, they're suffocating. And he tones it down and he says, look at me. Look at me, here's, here's my hands, here's my side. Look at me. Look at who I am. Change your focus. And then what he does next is he reminds them of their purpose. He says to them, peace be with you again. He says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So, do you see what's going on? Here they are in a locked room. They're, they're panicking. They're not sure what to do. And he's going, hey, what are you doing here? I'm sending you out. What are you doing here? You shouldn't be sitting in this room. You're going somewhere else. What's the door doing locked? You can't go out of a locked room, can you? You have to unlock the door and get out there. I'm sending you. I'm sending you to go on a mission here. And he reminds us of the purpose to which he's called us. In other words, what he does is he gets them running again. He gets them moving again. He gets them in need of the oxygen of God because the oxygen only flows when you need it, right? God doesn't just plant a load of his oxygen in your life. He, 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 it comes as, you, as you're exercising, as you need it, as you breathe deeply. That's when it comes. That's when we need it. You know it in your own life too. The times where you really reach out to God, the times where you're closest to God is when you need Him the most, isn't it? That's, that's when you're gasping for Him. God, I'm in this situation. God, can you get me out of this? And prayers become real. Bible reading becomes real. Christian life becomes real. When we need him the most, that's when we start doing deals with God. Well, we try to. God's not really into deals, is he? He just says, follow me. But he gets them, he reminds them of their purpose. And then last thing he does is he breathes on them. He gives them the power, the oxygen, to accomplish the purpose to which he's called them. The peace, the presence, the purpose, and the power. And that's what we need to do when we find ourselves in these situations. But it's what we should be doing every day as we run with God. Galatians, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. God wants us to keep attuned to the Spirit of God, to keep running. But as we run, God will fill us with the oxygen that we need, the spiritual oxygen that we need to keep on running and running and running for Him. He does it as we're moving into the experiences of life. You see, the Spirit's role is just that. It's to turn this Word of God, the presence of God that we read about through these pages of Scripture, 
into real experiences in your life. God doesn't remove the chaos from our lives, does he? There's chaos that's all around us. We face it all the time, challenges and everything else in life. He doesn't change that so often. But what he does is he gives us the breath to go through it. He says, you know what? The chaos doesn't have to control you. I can give you the power to journey through the chaos. I can give you the life that will give you the victory through it. So that you don't have to be just pushed around like a current from all the things that are going on around you. But you can journey through it. How does this work? Do you remember in Mark chapter 4? Jesus, he tells them to go to the other side of a lake. And he gets into the boat and Jesus is exhausted and he falls asleep. Do you remember? And this humongous storm comes up. A bit like yesterday. Wind, rain, horrible. Glad we weren't in a boat yesterday, right? Much nicer looking at it through the window of your living room. And they're in a boat, and Jesus is fast asleep. And do you remember what happens? They start bailing the boat out because the water's coming in, and finally they go, wake him up. No, you wake him up. No, you wake him up. And finally one of them wakes him up and goes, Jesus, don't you care if we all drown? And he goes... And he gets up and he says, peace, be still. And then he turns around and he looks at his disciples and he says, where was your faith? Why? Because, because it goes back to what we've just said, right? It goes back to those four things. Jesus had given them the word to go to the other side. They were on his mission. And so when he gives you the word, you know that you have the oxygen and the power to get there to the other side because you're walking in step with the Spirit of God. Yeah, there may be storms, there may be opposition, there may be challenges en route, but you know you're going to get there because he's given you the word. That's why Jesus said, where's your faith? Do you not believe in my words? When I tell you something is going to happen, it's going to happen. Jesus' words never fall to the ground and go unanswered. Because he speaks the very word from the Father. Which comes through the Son via the Holy Spirit. It comes out with the Spirit's word. It's all working together in harmony and God's word is always true and yes and amen. And so he says to them, like, what's going on here? Why, why are you doubting? Why do you have so little faith? Why do you not trust? You see, what had happened was that they'd gone in agreement with the word, but fear came in. 
when circumstances happened. And then they couldn't breathe. And then they thought the worst, and the narrative changed in their minds from we've got to get to the other side, because Jesus said so too. You know what? We're going to drown. And Jesus just went, it's not going to happen. You have me. But fear does that. Fear causes us to forget his word. We lose the oxygen of the Holy Spirit. But every time when you're in a fearful situation and you cry out to him, he will pronounce peace. He will bring his presence. He will show you his purpose. And he will breathe on you again. You see, the Spirit always works when we open his word and seek his presence. One of the times, one of the other times where I ran out of oxygen was when I was 20 years of age. You can see me in that picture. You can see Inika too, actually, but anyways. I'm the handsome one, by the way, in case you're wondering. 20 years of age, I was fit, seriously fit. I mean, when I was at home in South London, I used to like cycle 15 miles before college every morning just for the fun of it, kind of fit. Zero intelligence, can't think why I did it these days, but right? You're all trying to figure out which one's me, aren't you? Because we're all handsome in that picture, right? I'm the one that's slightly more handsome than the others, with an extra degree of humility. But anyway, we went to Uganda as missionaries. And we were called, uh, after about a month that we were there, to be the guests of honor, me and Inika actually, at the local primary school, sports day. So we were there handing out prizes and certificates to all these little kids. And I said to the head teacher, I said, you know what? I fancy running in one of the races. And he went, really? And I went, yeah, that would be fun. I mean, I'm 20, I'm fit, right? And these kids are like knee high to a grasshopper, right? They're tiny. So he said, he said, well, what race do you want to run in? I said, the shortest one possible. What you got left? And it was kind of later in the day. So he said, well, the, the shortest one we've got, 400 meters. So I went, that's cool. I'll do a 400 meter run. So there I was on the starting line. I, I kid you not, the tallest kid next to me was up to my waist. Right? Now, I'm from the era of, you remember Cohen Ovid and all that lot? Yeah? I'm from that era of athletics, right? I thought to myself, you know what I'll do? I'll just, I don't want to whop them. Because that would just be rude, wouldn't it? I'm the visitor here. So I'll just sort of cruise in behind the leading kid. And then on the home stretch, I'll just extend my legs. Because my legs, I mean, I could have just walked over them. They were so small, right? I'll just extend my stride slightly and slightly beat the winning one, right? That, that's seriously what went on in my head. 
So there I am with all these little kids laughing at me, right? Off we go. And I went, well, they're going pretty fast, but I'm cool. I can handle this, so I'm striding along. 100 meters, I was behind the lead guy, right? Just where I wanted to be. Everything going perfect. Feeling confident and comfortable. 200 meters, still feeling reasonably confident. And then all of a sudden, just like this, everything started spinning. And I started seeing everything in black and white instead of color. And I'm like staggering, going like, what is going on? And I look down in, my, in, my, in this kind of haze, and I see these little kids just running by me, and I'm like going backwards. And I'm going like, what's going on here? And I'm staggering around this thing like some 102-year-old. And all these kids, and I, and I finally get to the, the finishing line in about fourth place out of six kids or whatever. And I collapse over the finishing line. Couldn't breathe. Head felt like it was going to explode. I'm sweltering. I'm thinking, what an idiot. Should have done the 100 meters. I then realized later on that we're up at high altitude where we were. 100 meters is fine for a fit young guy. 200 meters is fine, but then you can't get the oxygen in your lungs because it's so much thinner. And whilst I was still trying to breathe, I couldn't get enough in for my legs and the rest of my body to work, so everything started shutting down. They had to throw buckets of water over me and try to revive me. It was all rather embarrassing. I don't know why Enika's laughing, because she remembers. But then she tried the same thing, and it happened to her. Sometimes in our spiritual lives, you know, we're like that. We're running along, thinking everything is going good. And then all of a sudden, because we're not connected, because we're not attuned, because we're not relying on the Spirit of God, we're gasping for spiritual oxygen. And that moment, reach out to the Spirit. At that moment, take your eyes off of whatever the situation is and just say, Spirit of God, I need your help right now. Get back into the Word into Christ's presence. Get back into receiving the oxygen of God that he longs to give you in your spiritual life. Because like Paul says, you know, he wants us to run the race and to win the prize. Not collapse after 200 meters. How about you today? You need some more oxygen from the Spirit? That's what He's here to do. That's His role. That's who He is. The spiritual oxygen giver. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And have it in abundance. 
And it's the Spirit that will answer that prayer. Sing with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me sing that again in a minute just close your eyes right now and just lift to God whatever fear or anxiety you have today I know many of us came today and we're we're worried about so many different things but today he wants to say you know what peace be with you I'm here with you let me melt you and bring my peace Melt away the anxiety and the stress and the worry and bring my peace. And I want to mold you because I'm here with you. I've promised I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And you know what? I created you for purpose. So I want to fill you and send you out on the purpose to which I've created you. And I want to use you. I'm going to pump the Spirit of God, the the breath of God into you so that you can run and not grow weary. Father, we lift to you the things that trouble us. So often we confess we're like those disciples. You know, we, we take our eyes off of you so quickly. And we allow the chaos and the circumstance of our world to, to surround us. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. Turn your eyes upon